0: Oh dear. (laughs) Welcome to the Coffee and Coding Podcast, where we discuss all things app development. I'm your host, Rob Jay. And in this episode, my guest is Ed Holloway George, senior Android engineer at ASOS and speaker on all things cyber app security. In this episode, we talk about the most common app vulnerabilities in your code in 2022. How to build more secure apps. Whether root or jailbreak detection is worth the effort. What is tapjacking? How to protect your apps from being hacked, and much, much more. Now onto the show. So, just to jump straight into it. So, for people that are not aware of who you are and and that kind of stuff, can you just give like a super
1: brief, you know, bio of who you are, what you do, and your journey up to this point? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm I'm Ed Holloway George. I mean, I've been an Android. Developer now for a long, long time. It feels like uh, feels like forever, but it's probably been close to about ten years. I've kind of worked my way through uh, different industries. I started off at a startup, um, moved to an agency, and have now settled kind of a, a rather larger company, um, at ASOS, who are a um, fashion retailer. Um, and yeah, I've I've been interested in all sorts of aspects of Android for a long time, and security is something that I've uh, I've particularly been interested in, and something that I've really picked up of late as a not only a passion project but as something that I want to uh, sort of uh, bring to the wider community and uh, expose. So yeah, I think that's uh, kind of my journey up to now. So moving on from
0: that, so how did you get or like what drew you into security in terms of like app development? And and the reason that I ask is because the only people that I'm aware of that know any of this stuff are people that have their own apps. And so, you know, they wanted to combat people cracking their apps so they didn't have to pay for it or, or all of that kind of stuff. And outside of that, like literally I've never worked at a company. Now I tell a lie, I've probably worked at like two companies out of a lot of companies that have ever expressed any interest in like, is our app secure and all the kind of things that, that you've talked about in some of your talks. So like what kind of drew you into that?
1: That's a really good question. You know what? I, I... When it came to sort of security and my interest in security, it didn't initially come through my sort of Android app developer experience. Um, it came through uh, watching loads of YouTube videos and seeing really interesting YouTubers, uh, people like John Hammond, uh, people like Live Overflow, um, who do uh, kind of talks about security and um, ethical hacking and um you know but perform sort of uh, you know videos on um, on CTF's capture the flag events which uh, i found really interesting so i kind of got into security kind of generally in 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 that by watching uh, you know, multiple content creators. And then I wanted to learn more about something uh, about security and what I'm also passionate about, which is Android app development. So the two kind of married up really, really nicely. And what I found was really interesting was that there wasn't a lot of, uh, for something that's such a, you know, integral part of, you know, the, the Android developer role, there wasn't that many people talking about it. And I found that really strange. And I wanted to uh, I wanted to dive deeper into the subject, and naturally, I've, I've kind of found myself as uh, as somebody that is talking a lot about it in the community. And I'm hoping that through you know through podcasts such as this or or, or talks I've done in the past, that I'm trying to expose. Uh, yeah, that this is a critical area that we should all be thinking about and uh, is often overlooked. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it.
0: All right, so that kind of, that kind of explains it. So. On a side kind of note, right, so you work at a, a very big retailer in the UK. I don't know where they reach out to, but I know in the UK everybody knows ASOS. Um, so in terms of like your day-to-day, how much of the security aspect of development like do you deal with?
1: Well so we, we have a championship champion program at ASOS, which um I, I probably I don't know how much I can go into, but we do have a, you know, a very good cybersecurity team at ASOS and I work closely with them and my colleagues. Um so in terms of my actual role, um, you know, I try and split part of my week to do it. It's something that I try and work on a little bit every day. Um, it's not officially part of my um a job description per se, but it's something that I've been trying to push within my team and certainly, you know, other teams uh, within the business. And, and uh, I think, I think it's something that anybody, um, anybody with a passion in security can do within their organization. It doesn't really matter if the organization size, but sure, if you've got a great cybersecurity team, such as uh, ASOS, like it, it's quite easy to, uh, quite easy to do and set up. So in my day to day, probably, you know, a few, maybe a in a week, maybe a couple of hours is something I dedicate directly to it. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'd, I'd love to do it full time. But uh, yeah, I, I like I like developing apps too much to uh, to uh, kind of split it that much.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay, cool. It's interesting because, like I said, like I've worked at um, and I won't mention names because I don't want to get myself or anyone in trouble. But I've worked at like fairly big companies in the UK as well, and like similar to ASOS, and zero interest in security whatsoever. Which is always like surprised me. I think people kind of take for granted that the like, apps and, you know, Android, Android and iOS are secure by default. Like it's as if they're not computers and that's never the case. <laughs> um, so I, I want to jump into a little bit about kind of, I guess like just for, so I'm going to, I'm going to assume people that are listening have, you know, they have an idea of like security, but most people, at least that I speak to, have an idea of like, you know, if I get an email from a random person, don't click that link. And and those kind of things. And they don't necessarily or they're not necessarily aware of the kind of one threats as a user perspective using a, a smart device. And then secondly, from a development perspective, like I have, you know, no idea what the kind of things of what the kind of things are that I should be looking for. So in that sense, like what are some of the things I guess, like what are some of the ways that apps that you've seen could be. Um, exposed or like be are, are vulnerable and then what are some of the things as a developer that you should be looking out for when you're coding that
1: maybe you know people generally don't think about that's a really great question i think um i mean there's there's several several great examples of um you know really easy things that we can do as app developers to make sure our apps are secure um, it's, it's as simple as, um, not, you know, uh, it can start as simple as just not putting things that you wouldn't want to share in your app, in your app. So when I say, you know, it, it's, it's quite trivial to, you know, take an app and reverse engineer it. And if, for example, if you've got a, uh, a secret key or a secret password or, you know, um, I think there was a report recently that, you know, upwards of, um, I can't remember the exact percentage but it was a scarily high number percentage of apps contain um, aws keys for example that could be used to access you know secure um, aws uh, instances and it's as simple as simple as that um and and in terms of kind of what threats are out there i mean um a good place to start with this would be um owasp who are a, a um free for profit um organization that allow uh basically they they produce a list of the top ten um, threats to mobile, and I I definitely would recommend going out and uh, familiarising yourself with, with that. Um, I've done two talks on it. Um, I'm also writing a blog post series on that at the moment. So um, yeah, shameless promotion there, but it, it's a a really good overview of some of the threats that we we face uh, as uh, as app developers. And in terms of kind of Steps to prevent this. Um, there's plenty of tools on the market. So I'm sure we're all familiar with uh the names Proguard, um, and uh, you know, Dexguard is a paid version of Proguard by the same people that make it. We have uh you know free free tools such as MobSF, um, which can be used to provide kind of a secure security um analysis on your APKs. And yeah, there's, there's a, a million and one different tools out there that we can use. As developers, to tr- make our apps more secure, certainly I think familiarizing yourself with the OWASP Top Ten um, is a very, very good place to start, and actually something you can do relatively, relatively easily. The examples they give are, are excellent, so I would definitely start there. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. It's it, it's such a broad subject that there's so many different different ways that apps can be um, exploited. Um, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example of one. I think. Uh, a very good example, actually, that I I, I tweeted about just today or uh, or yesterday was um, Hyundai, the um, the car manufacturer. They used uh, when when they wrote their secure code for their um, Android Auto app, they encrypted they encrypted their update files using a sample that is freely available online so they basically copied and pasted a tutorial without without changing anything so um some developer found this and they've been able to reverse engineer you know their their whole basically their whole car and their ecosystem which is for for you know billion billion dollar companies make these mistakes all the time so you know i think it's a mindset switch that we all need as developers to to kind of switch on and uh, and and realize that this is you know, there are people that will look through your code. Um, it doesn't matter how big or small your app is. People will look through your code. So I think, you know, treat everybody, you know, uh, as sort of when when don't treat people like they're not going to touch it because they are. So that's the best advice I'd give for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I was going to say, I think people make two assumptions that are definitely wrong, which is one, big companies, you know, developers that work at Hyundai must be, you know, like God level developer or however you want to put it. It's like, they're just, they're just developers, you know, they, they, they make mistakes the same as us and somebody's going to exploit it. And in the same vein, like people that have small indie apps, like I I remember like myself in like 2012, I have an app that has, you know, had a thousand users and it was cracked and put up somewhere for someone to download for free. And that's like, that's not uh, like, I'm a nobody. Somebody obviously just did that for fun. Like, oh, cool. I've saw this, this app on a forum. Let me crack it and see what happens. So definitely that's things that people don't look out for but something I, I don't know if you can hear that but my dogs are going crazy so i'll probably just leave it's that all in. good don't worry i'm um, surprised mine isn't so well we we have like on a side note so we have a dog who's like great right normally she's lay, laying right here during the podcast no problems and then my partner house sit two other dogs And so now they just set each other off. One of them barks that car outside, and then it's just like... It's
1: It's a chain reaction. Yeah, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I could imagine, yeah. I feel like I saw somewhere, I I must have been going through your blog or your Twitter or something, and I saw something about that you had. Was it Pomeranian, is that right? I do. I have
1: a a little Pomeranian. I don't tend to put his name out on the internet, but he's he's two years old. He's... um, incredibly noisy he likes to join me on meetings he, in fact i don't know if it's the same with your dogs but he likes to wait until he knows i'm busy before he wants attention um which is yeah which is they they that's the problem uh like love him to pieces but sometimes you just need to get stuff done and uh yeah he's he's just got a sixth sense he knows so um yeah that's a uh, but yeah he's he's great he's uh he's my little uh my little sidekick most of the time
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like everybody, including myself, thinks that their own dog is great. And then it's just everybody else's dog that's just like, oh my God, leave me alone. We'll get right back to the show. But first, I just wanted to remind you that if you're enjoying this episode, if you feel it's bringing you value, then it would mean a lot to me if you shared it with a friend or fellow developer. That's it. Just hit the share button in your podcast app of choice and you know what to do. Now back to the show. So steering it back to, to the security side of things just a little bit. So um, something that I wanted to ask you, and so I'm going to link up the Spaghetti Dev um, blog, and there's a bunch of talks on there so people can go and check it out because um, I'll definitely recommend that. But in terms of protecting your app, so one thing that I wanted to ask and get your opinion of is, at this point in time, or maybe at any point in time, do you think that there is any benefit to, like, root detection and jailbreak detection. And because, you know, some companies, like, if your app's rooted or jailbroken, if your phone is, sorry, that it won't run. And because, like, I've come across this in um, a project I was working on recently, and my immediate response was, like, we're just wasting our time. And that was just from a quick Google. Is like, how do you prevent, like, how do do you detect root? Okay, you, you use this library. This library stopped working three months ago, and it's like a cat and mouse game. But in terms of the things that you know can be exploited... Is there any is there any benefit now to doing that or are there things that people could be doing that are much better than just, you know, detect root or detect jailbreak and don't run?
1: Yeah, it's that, I mean, that's a great question. I, I personally have never implemented that on any app that I've worked on. Um, and you're right, it's, it's very much a cat and mouse game because as soon as uh, any you know there's plenty of solutions out there the first one that comes to mind is things like rootbeer which i'm sure is the most common library that people use for um for that but as you know it's an open source project so it's very it's not especially difficult to kind of crack because it all the, all the code's in public um so you know the cat and mouse game of as soon as some root detection is implemented you know the the crackers the hackers are you know one step ahead all the time There are paid solutions for that, which, you know, if you're I think it really, you know, depends on your use case as well, like whether you really want to go down that route. I mean, if you are bound by, you know, uh, sort of compliance laws, you know, so banking, you know, there's plenty of laws and regulations and that and, you know, they differ all over the world. So if you're kind of bound by, you know, legal stuff, then, yeah, perhaps it's worth doing. You know, I certainly would expect my bank to have as much detection as they can physically put in um but does my you know my tiny little weather app need i don't know does it need root detection not really you know if there's no i think it's uh, i think it's all being about being sensible if you are where possible especially you know when it comes to sort of user data um you want to be having as minimal user data on your um save to your device as possible. And if you're making API calls, you know, you want to be following the best practices for that as well. Make sure that you're authenticating your calls, you are, you know, using tokens correctly, you're not storing unencrypted sort of passwords or anything on your device, etc. So I think as long as you're following the vast majority of the rest of the best practices, root detection is something that you can most often avoid. Yeah, it's it's quite a big overhead. It's something that you need to keep on top of. As if you're using a paid for solution, then you're probably slightly better off because uh, you've at least got probably some guarantees in your contract that you know you're going to get updates, etc. Whereas if you're using free solutions, then you know it's only a matter of time, really. That's well, in both cases, you know the hack, the hackers and crackers are so good, you really need to be on top of it. So um, yeah, I'd say depending on your on your use case, I wouldn't say I've gotten especially um controversial opinion on that i know people do but yeah i think my opinion is, is is it all depends on your use case for sure okay all right cool all right so moving past that a little bit so i was watching your talk
0: yesterday i think it was and one of the things that you brought up which is android specific use case but i'm sure there's equivalents on ios is you know everybody saves a bunch of things in shared preferences which is somewhere that you're just supposed to save like keys and strings you're not supposed to do a ton of stuff you're not supposed to do anything in there that's sensitive basically um and then you offer a solution up which is like you can get you know secure shared preferences um which is a form of encryption inside shared preferences right but my question is with that like sure that means that if i was wanting to look inside your sh- like your your shared preferences i can't because i'm not a hacker i don't know how to do that stuff it would take me way too long on google and i'd lose interest right but for someone that's determined to do it is like, I guess, I guess the question is like, there's in my mind, there's never a point where you can get to where you can say like, yes, this app is secure because like, even, even with that, surely the key for, you know, if you're encrypting your database, the keys somewhere inside the app to decrypt it. So given a bit of time and effort. So like in, in, I guess the question is like, is, is there a point where it's like, this is as much as you can do and you just have to accept that like the, your security is 99% By that 1% there's
1: always that vulnerability i mean when it comes to software yeah yeah there's always going to be that point but the good the the thing is with uh especially now moving for, forwards with kind of uh, more modern devices you know we also have hardware and because the hardware we, we you can have secure enclaves in hardware um and you know use things such as keystore um on hardware uh, you know the, the same way that ios works for example it becomes a lot harder, and 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 in, in actual fact, it makes things a a lot lot harder. You know, if we if we go back, you know, five six years, you know, before this was really a popular thing, or you had to have super high end devices to have that sort of a, uh, you know, security on a chip kind of on uh, deal. You know, it was a uh, it was a lot more easy to crack these sort of things. So I think um, you know, f- through using you know the hardware side of things. Um you can save stuff in you know shared preferences securely by using by using um, google's uh, jetpack security library and I believe that does use um you know the hardware to do that again, I think the question you always need to be asking is do I need to be saving this data at all on the device if you are you know i i, I hope i said this in my talk i must admit i don't remember but i hope i pointed out that you know if you're at a point where you are thinking about having to encrypt shared preferences you really need to ask yourself some questions of why am i doing this could this be stored somewhere better i.e on a server or somewhere that's not on my device yeah and i think i think you know I, i don't i don't think there's uh no risk involved with doing any of this, but certainly um, when it comes to sort of having hardware support, et cetera, then this makes life a lot easier for us. And it does mean that there is an added level of security there, which is a lot harder for hackers and crackers to 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 sort of uh, access.
0: Okay. So bottom line is if you have to store something sensitive and you can store it in hardware storage, then you should do that. Because I guess that
1: kind of takes the onus off you and puts it on the OS to keep it secure, right? If you can use the sort of um, hardware-based security, then yes, absolutely. When you say sort of save to hardware, yeah, please don't save stuff directly to files unencrypted. You know, you want to be using encryption, you want the keys to be stored securely, et cetera. So yeah, that that's, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, by hardware, I did not mean like the hard drive for people that are listening. Like, don't just, <laughs> <Yeah>, just say <save laughs> storage on your phone that. and be like, oh yeah, sweet, it's cool. Yeah, all right, awesome. All right, so... Um, I kind of wanted to ask, so again, I was watching this talk and one thing that I hadn't, I wasn't super familiar with was tap jacking. Um, and I'm, and the only reason that I was like mildly familiar is because my banking app won't let me do stuff when I have an app that does like nightlight. So, you know, it changes the whole screen to red. It, it won't let me do stuff unless, unless I turn that off because it overlays the the screen. Right. So the tap jacking thing was like super interesting. But is there anything else or or if there's a better example of the tap jacking like in in action, then go for that. But is there anything kind of interesting like
1: that, that you've seen that people might not be aware of? So I think something that so a common approach. So for those that don't know that what tap jacking is, essentially, it's hijacking your phone and and performing um, actions on it as if you were sort of uh, performing those actions yourself. So it can do it can do it's as if it's sort of like a ghost doing it um, and it's uh it's quite scary when you see videos of it because it's uh it's done so quickly it's it, you know you can hardly hardly notice it sometimes and and the way that the way that that's done is really interesting actually it's it's an abuse of the um accessibility framework um that android offers so many of you listening will probably maybe use an accessibility feature of some sort it could be you know using a larger font it could be a screen reader it could be whatever but a lot of apps um Basically, when you have an accessibility app, you want essentially full control of a device to be able to provide accessibility features. And for years and years, that framework has been um, abused and it's actually becoming a lot more locked down, I think, in future. I can't remember the specifics, but for sure, it's um, Android has acknowledged this and they certainly are adding more permissions surrounding giving apps accessibility control and that's essentially how malicious apps do tapjacking. is that they will request as many permissions as possible particularly in the accessibility framework to um be able to basically take over and manage your device and do whatever and perform whatever actions um, so yeah it's uh, it's scary it can capture your touches it can it can perform touches it's yeah it's it's weird it's definitely uh you should get you should definitely take some time to uh go on youtube and watch some examples so it's pretty scary it's it's an area that i don't know i must admit a lot about it's not something that i've um it's not something that i've looked into in depth and actually now talking about it makes me want to go and google it right away and and learn a lot more about it Thankfully, I think the permission model that Android has, has has protected against this relatively well, especially, you know, since we've beefed that up in more recent years. And yeah, definitely going forwards, I, I know the accessibility framework is going to be a lot more, it's going to be a lot more difficult to give a, an app full permissions, um, which in one sense is good. And also, you know, for accessibility users, maybe not so good. So I think, uh, I think it's a difficult balance that the Android, uh, Android team have got, but um yeah that's that's essentially how it's done, and it's uh yeah, I'm glad you asked that. It's a great question.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's super interesting because I used to, so I have an app that used to require accessibility services because it reads notifications um and then you know at some point they introduced notification service and so you didn't have to do that anymore. but when I did have that, there was no like I need this service or I need this permission to just be able to read your notifications. It was just blanket permission, I need enti- access to your entire device, yes or no. And so like, it's cool that that's changed, but I didn't think about the different ways it could be used. And then I was watching that video where, you know, it's overlaying like a contacts app or something and it's just like, you know, dialing the buttons for you. And I was like, oh, that's, that's super. It's one of those things where it's like, you want to go and build something that does it just so you can see how it works. Um, cause it, it seems like, yeah, it's just, it would be really cool. Um, but on, on a side note from that, so moving on just a little bit. Um, so I think covered most of the things that I want to talk about, but interest, like something that's interesting to me. so not super security related but you've done a couple of talks now um on this you've got another one coming up at DroidCon, con which i'm going to try and catch but i kind of wanted to ask you like what made you want to give talks about this because like your talks at least the one that i saw was like an hour long um I, th- I think maybe that one was on zoom but it was like an hour long right and i've given talks and like 15 minutes and i'm ready to quit because you know i feel like that's how much tension i get after 15 minutes I'm done it's like what made you want to give talks and like do you not find it super daunting to give an hour long talk
1: so for me I think what I I, wow yeah I guess I guess talking for an hour is yeah pretty extreme I think what the, the good news is I think the talks you will have seen were two two separate talks that were essentially part one and part two right okay um, yeah, yeah. thankfully they were half an hour each so I don't, luckily haven't had to do a whole hour talking yet I think if I talked for an hour people would be uh, nodding off pretty pretty soon into it um, but yeah no well thankfully in the community you know there's plenty of great speakers who you know I've been fortunate enough to uh to have seen over many years and you know and for me talking and doing talks and giving talks and and is, is is a relatively new thing I think I've only been doing it for the last sort of year I really wanted to do it though because uh it's it's something that I I find I've previously found quite difficult to do I'm quite a, I'm quite a shy individual in, in reality so i i've always wanted to try and push myself out there a bit and um you know for me i've i'm really passionate about giving back i've i've you know been very very fortunate to have you know the career i've had so far and and i i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a lot of the uh a lot of the you know the the, the names in the community that have been around for a long time and uh it's really, we're, I think we're at a really exciting point with Android where we're seeing this kind of new paradigm shift. Uh, Compose is coming in and it's, uh, you know, we've seen Kotlin come in as well. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's almost like a new era of development. And it, I, I feel that, you know, having the experience that I do, it'd be really nice to, um, take some of that and, and give it back to people. And that's why, I, that's why I enjoy doing things like this. It's why I enjoy writing blogs. It's why I enjoy doing talks. Um, and for me the added benefit is, is that i get to learn something i didn't know about so security for example and i get to hopefully make people passionate about what i, I i'm learning about as well so it's almost like a journey where i'm ta- i'm I'm going on it myself you know I, I i said to you i said to you when we uh first started talking you know i, I wouldn't com- i wouldn't say i'm a security expert by any stretch of the imagination i would definitely say at this stage i mean i'm an enthusiast but I'm learning a lot. I'm like to, I like to feed that back. I love to tell people what I'm finding out. People seem to be really interested in it, and that's great. And if at the end of the day we all come out with more secure apps, then it's win-win for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I was going to say I can
0: imagine at Drycorn yours will be one of like the most watched or attended talks because I had a look through the list and there's super interesting stuff on there. But there's some things that it's just like, I'm not
1: going to find this out unless I go to this talk. I think that's very kind. I think I, I definitely uh, can't remember exactly who's in uh, in my slot. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Chris Baines from Twitter. So I'm pretty sure everyone will be there. I know I, I might not turn up to my own talk because I really wanted to go <laughs> see Chris's. So I, I, you, if I'm not there, that's why. But um, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, if, I would love people to come down. Um, as as we all know, they're all recorded, so um it's uh, you won't be missing out if you don't come um hope hopefully you'll come away and learn something new um but if you if you uh if you don't go to chris's because uh, Chris's will be awesome for sure, okay, cool,
0: all right, so then, um, I've got a couple questions left and and then we can wrap and then if there's anything else you wanted to talk about, we can um but you mentioned so on on the intake form that I sent, there was like you know is there any interesting stories? And you sent me a story that sounded super interesting that I have no way to work into like a a podcast about security. So I'm just going to go ahead and ask you like, what's the deal with this water pistol assassins story?
1: So, yeah, no, you know, you, so when you asked, uh, what, what interesting stories do you have? Well, I thought, well, do I have any interesting security stories? And the answer to that is a, unfortunately a resounding no. And even if I did, um, I probably wouldn't be allowed to disclose them because of, uh, yeah, of, of where I work. So, um, so the story, uh, behind the water pistols, right? So, like, like I mentioned earlier, I am, um, I started my career at a startup. Um, and it, the, the only way I can describe it was like, it was like living in a Silicon Valley episode. Um, we were a startup of, uh, a f- handful of people, um, in London. Um, I was a brand new Android engineer out of university. I'd done Android at that point for about, um, probably like two or three months. So I, I knew nothing about the platform. I knew nothing about app development. And yet I was somehow in this job, in this startup as the only Android engineer building this app and it was great and we had such a great time and the water pistols came about where my boss um who's a really lovely australian guy called john um he said hey guys i've come up i found this uh, found this new thing out in london it's called street wars and he we said well, well, what's that and street wars is a it's something that's done worldwide you might have heard of it if you're in the us i think uh it's been done all over the country there but essentially what it is is it's a competition where a bunch of people sign up and they become assassins, and your job is to assassinate other members of this game. And this is a real, real-world game. So you are walking the streets, and you might bump into somebody you're supposed to assassinate. So you have on your on your person at all times a water pistol to pull out of your pocket and fire and squirt essentially uh, the person you're supposed to assassinate and we you're given you're kind of given the person so you're given minimal details about the person you're supposed to assassinate you're given kind of a rough location of where they work a rough location of where they live um and that's it so with this 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 went on for a month and when i say a month i mean we stopped we down tools we down tools we didn't do any development work for nearly a month and we just were out to try and squirt somebody with a water pistol And it took me all over London. And I, it's scary because you're being, you're being hunted yourself. So it's, you're, you're, you're looking around every corner, seeing is there anybody shady? And some of the, yes, I, I'm, I'm, some of the stories of uh, what I heard, you know, unfortunately, I didn't live in London. This was my problem as, as a, as a brand new sort of graduate. I, I couldn't afford to live in London. I was still living at home, uh, which at the time was in Oxfordshire and it was great it was it was great so so people were i heard stories of people jumping off bridges people you know using a barge like a on a on a canal to escape uh, it, you know cr- all the crazy stories and it was it was great and unfortunately i was assassinated i was crossing the road um by angel station in london and uh somebody came out ran out of a coffee shop um, straight towards me. I ran into traffic, which in hindsight was the stupidest thing I could have done, nearly got hit by a a, a London bus. And uh, yeah, unfortunately got squirted. Um, so that was me out of the game. Um, I can't remember exactly how our team did, but it was a great month. And, you know, it was a, such a great team to work with. Um, the product we did was actually amazing. It's, it was essentially, um, so the company is called Bopple, I'll give it a shout. It was, um, they're, they're now um, based in Australia, but they were it was an it was a food ordering uh, app essentially what every pub and club has nowadays because of covid where you could order your food to your table or for collection yeah we were do i mean we were doing that back in uh, 2013 um and nobody was ready for it um yeah if we'd only if we'd waited a few years we would have uh, absolutely uh, cleaned up but um it was a yeah it was a great time and uh, yeah i think a little, yeah probably a unique story i can't imagine many of your listeners have taken a month off to uh, become a water pistol assassin but maybe i'm wrong who knows
0: no i've i've i don't know anybody who's done that i didn't know it was a thing but just so that i have it clear right so do you know what they look like as in like you get a picture or you just get a description? You get a picture. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was going to say, cause that would be, that'd be crazy. If you just got a description,
1: that would be really dangerous. And yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, that would be the majority of people in London. Yeah. So you would be, uh, yeah, no, you do get a picture. I can't remember it. I, unfortunately, this was, you know, at this point, like I say, probably about eight years ago. So it's, it's quite a long time since I've done it, but if they ever do it again in London, I'm signing up because it was it was uh, it was great fun. And if they ever do it in uh, wherever you're based, wherever your listeners are based, then 100% sign up. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to get a sabbatical off work to do it, but definitely do it for sure.
0: Yeah, if if not, just take time. Just take just take as much holiday as you can. Maybe just
1: take a month off. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, no problem. Yeah, why not? Um, just to bring it back to development a little bit, um, which is a question that I like to ask everybody um and the question is what do you think uh, separates an okay developer from a great developer
1: oh I'd be, i i i can't lie i've got i've got to be a little bit biased here i think it's somebody that takes an interest in things like security 100% um i think we've got plenty of amazing developers in our community and we're very fortunate to have that many but if you want to level up yourself then 100% take a look at mobile app security if you want to really you know Wow, your boss and show them. You know all. If you want to scare people, you know, perform a perform a security analysis on your app and show people. You know, this is what we're working with, and you can go and um, you know, and you can work on this. And and the fixes are relatively straightforward. So I think the difference between a great developer and a you know a a, a mediocre one, in my mind, is is somebody that really focuses on areas such as security, those more niche areas um, to yeah to, to to level up to to learn more if not to make your apps way way better and uh yeah i think that's uh yeah that's definitely how i'd summarize it i don't know if that was a great answer but that's uh, definitely my answer for sure No,
0: nah, that's a pretty good answer everyone everyone's had a different as like no nobody's ever said like oh you have to be really good at code everybody i've had on the show has always said something different um and i think yeah getting involved in like a niche area whether it's security or something else definitely separates you and also like you learn a ton more like than that you wouldn't learn just by doing what everybody else is doing. So that totally makes sense to me. Okay, cool. So uh, yeah, I think that's everything that I have. So before before I hit stop, can you tell people where they can find you Twitter, your blog,
1: anything else you want to share? Sure. No, everyone I uh, I'm sure you're probably best off finding me on Twitter. My handle is spaghetti code with a 4. Um and yeah, you can also find my website at spaghetti.dev um there's loads on loads of resources on there i've written a ton of blogs and uh all of my talks and videos and links are on there so definitely check that out and of course if you're at DroidCon, um come say hello i'm going to probably be bringing a hell hell of a lot of stickers so um come grab some stickers uh, come say hello if you can come to my talk amazing if not you will definitely catch it online um straight after so yeah i think that's uh, probably the best place to find me And
0: that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or fellow developer. And if you really want to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash donate. And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening.
1: And I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee Encoding Podcast.